You are listening to Everything Old is New Again with Doug Viviani and David Cohen. Is that right, Bob? I know. Uh, 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 Dave and, Dave and uh, uh, Doug. Dave and Doug. Dave and Doug. Yeah, they'll do. Okay. Well, that's certainly a pretty big dummy. Yeah, you've been an awful big a dummy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, what's this? Did you take a bath this morning? Why, is there one missing? Well, you'll never get anywhere with that thing. Why not? You've got to get something that looks human. Welcome to Everything Old is New Again. This is Douglas Viviani, and I am with David Cohen, and we are discussing, continuing our discussion of ventriloquism. That was a skit done in the 1950s by Martin and Lewis, and uh, let's face it, it, at that time, they were the Beatles of comedy. They knocked off Abbott Costello um, off the pedestal, if you will, and they were the comedy team of the decade. They were doing a routine about ventriloquism, which uh, remained, I would suggest, in the mainstream uh, in that era. And today we have a special guest who will continue as our expert in the art of ventriloquism. That is uh, Jay Johnson from the TV series Soap and the Tony Award-winning Broadway play Jay Johnson, The Two and Only. If you want to have a fun night with your family, head over to Amazon.com or TheTwoAndOnly.com and pick up uh, that DVD or a live download of this show. It's a great night of smiles, laughs, emotional connections, and fun. Uh, TheTwoAndOnly.com. Welcome back, Jay. Hey, nice to be back, guys. All right, terrific to have you. Uh, it, there is a little bit of an um, uh, undercurrent here in this particular show. I want to point out that, that uh, there were people that started out uh, their careers as ventriloquists that became um, successful uh, artists on their own without uh, of doing ventriloquism. But I'm going to give you a, a quick quiz, Jay. I bet you'll, you'll get this right. But I'm going to okay. challenge you. Tell me, which of the four of these stars did not start out the show, their show business career as a ventriloquism act, which did not, which of the, which of, just one of the four did not. Johnny okay. Carson, Ted Knight, Jonathan Winters, or Don Knotts? Well, I think Jonathan Winters would be the only one that didn't start out doing ventriloquism. Uh, I actually discussed uh, his early career in ventriloquism with Johnny Carson one of the times I was on a show. And wow. Ted Knight, when, when I was a young 11-year-old. He was performing uh, in Lubbock, Texas at some show, and uh, I met him, and he became my first pen pal uh, ventriloquist friend. So, wow. Yeah. That's terrific. I knew you would know the answer. I didn't know we could get that much out of it. Now, what did Mr. Carson <laughs> say? Did, did he say that that released some sort of creative side of him? And in general, do you feel that that, that ventriloquism in general releases a creative side of a person? Well, it, it certainly is a, a creative art form, and, and uh, would certainly release that. I, I, my discussion with Mr. Carson was not in depth, other than the fact that he just kind of mentioned that he did it, and he got into ventriloquism mainly because uh, his of his interest in magic. They kind of seem to go together as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I understand that Don Knotts uh, was getting so successful with his puppet. It, and he joined the Navy and uh, finally threw the little puppet overboard so he wouldn't have to work with it anymore. <laughs> wow. maybe, maybe his creative juices were, he felt, were being stymied. I don't know. All right. Hey, Jay, David Cohen here. What Do you think back then, would, you, you hear about these guys, Johnny Carson and, and uh, Ted Knight, 
was it another way for them to, you know, get seen, get stage time, doing ventriloquism, along with, you know, telling jokes, singing, that, that whole bit? Well, you know, it would be hard to, hard to say. Entertainment has changed. For, for Carson, I think that was just part of uh, an act he was trying to put together, you know, as a magician. Uh, for Ted Knight, um, he was basically a nightclub performer before he became an actor and, and went out to do all uh, his acting thing. Um, I, I don't know what, uh, what motivated them to, to start other than we all kind of find it as we do you know um, like say for me it was it was sort of a little bit of a dislearning uh, learning disability and uh, helped with with that my abilities uh, were, were not in conflict to the yeah. art form but yeah and you were became so creative with that and and, I, and it's not um, a, a secret that you were on soap for four years and uh, that was such a creative wonderful show the only time a ventriloquist uh, performed as a regular on on, yeah. on a show let's listen to a, just a, a clip here a little bit of, of one of what I think is some of the funniest work all right wait wait a minute wait a minute all right what's that Okay, 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 I got it. It's, uh... It's, uh, red. It's round. It's an apple This is amazing! Do you know what kind of a gold mine we got here? Chuck can see what you're holding up. But Bob can't! <laughs> uh, that still translates to today. You remember those days, Jay? Oh, God, I do. Uh, that, particular, uh, that particular routine... Um, was a suggestion I had made to the the writers occasionally. I uh, wrote some bits and suggested some bits that made their ways in, into the script, and that was one I was real proud of. That's my the favorite. Was the, one, go ahead, yeah, Billy Crystal and I. I'm sorry. Uh, another one was Billy Crystal and I wrote a scene uh, where uh, uh, Jody, his character, locks Bob in the refrigerator, and and that's also one of my favorites as well. So. That was one I was trying to find as well because then the, the premise was that you needed, as the character, needed to do this, so you grabbed a a grapefruit, I think, and started to use that. As your uh, as your your character, yes, and you know it's very odd. I have a picture of uh, me and Billy, and I'm holding the grapefruit as Billy's trying to take it away from me. That was just a set shot. <laughs> and as I look at that, one of my characters, I think I mentioned Spalding, um, the tennis ball character. When I look at the, the grapefruit that I'm I'm holding, it, it's it's almost the the same character. It's like uh, eventually he became. Spalding in a Broadway show, so I guess we were all playing back then. Interesting. So, and, and we would talk about this off the air with Dave. I was talking about this. Um, well, first of all, you, you, if when I understand, was signed to do four shows for Soap, and then turned that into being a regular on the show for four years. Of course, because right. of your talent, I, I think without question. But to me, I don't think writers have never written for a character like you. So my question would be, and, and I think you may have answered it previously, but um, certainly you, I guess, had some ability to put some input into your character and, and what was going on. Uh, was there a lot of that, or how'd you make out with that? Well, I, early on, I, I'd seen so many people that were written onto the show and written off, uh, and it was all uh, due to the fact that their character had played out or the plot line had played out. And uh, I, I never got involved in a plot line that might play out, but I figured that the more ways that they could see how it could be used and the more bits I could come up with, the longer I would stay. So I, I made it a... A, a regular habit to go into uh, Paul Witt's office or Susan Harris's office and say, here's a bunch of things I'd written down that we could do. And um, 
I guess they kept those sheets, and eventually they would uh, show up in a script here and there. So. Yeah, I think your creativity on that show uh, is readily apparent. It's the most fun part and most long-lasting part if you watch that show now, not to put it down uh, in any way, but your performances still hold up to this day, and some of the others are a little campy. I, I think it's so much fun just to watch you on that show. Yeah, that, that well, bl- the blindfolded Bob that we just heard. That, I mean, to me, I remember seeing it as a kid and just... I was just fascinated at how brilliant it was, and, and it stays with me today. It's what I remember from that, from that whole series. And that brilliance Isn't continues that uh, where you wrote Jay Johnson, The Two and Only, um, I think, and, and uh, you certainly yes. performed it. You won an Ovation Award in 2006 for the Best Solo Performance. 2007, you won a Tony for the Best Theatrical Event. Um, you wrote and created this, so obviously your creativity is uh, beyond measure in this field, and, and, and along those lines, I wanted to ask you, um, what do you feel makes a great uh, ventriloquist show in creating one? one? What, what are you looking to get out of the show or get the audience to experience? Well, you know, the, it's something I had to write a show to figure out uh, what it's all about. I always make the comparison that ma- magicians and ventriloquists seem to be uh, creating illusions together, so there's a lot of similarities in what they do, but... A, a magician uh, is performing uh, a trick, and it, it assumes that you don't know how the trick is done, so the audience is fooled by their um, lack of knowledge of, of how this effect works. Once you know how it works, you're never quite as satisfied nor have that fantasy feeling anymore. But ventriloquism is just the option. We walk on stage, you know that's what we're going to do. You know we're going to... Uh, make you think something else is talking, and uh, we're going to pretend like we're not. But you still get caught up in that illusion. So I think it's, I think it's real basic to a human being. I think we all personify pets, and we give uh, dolls uh, names that we take to bed. And you know, I think we we are geared that way, hardwired, and that's why it works for me. And and I get a great joy out of that, watching people get hung up in an illusion. Uh, that, that they know is, uh, is really uh, just a trick. It's like a magician doing a trick and telling you, like Penn and Teller, let's say, how the trick works. Um, yeah. But it's, it's still so engaging. And what you do in this show, uh, by taking it through the history, of course, we love that, but bringing it alive to this day and, and how it affected your life um, and how your experience with other people in the field affected your life. Um, Absolutely. It really, really comes alive and... and, and brings it alive, you know, for a 16-year-old to an 86-year-old. So I would suggest that if anyone is in the market for something uh, to buy for a present for anyone that you will love and experience, uh, love the experience of, go to the com. You can do a video on demand. You could do a a DVD. You can certainly buy it from uh, Amazon.com. We'll come right back after this break and talk about this clip. Abracadabra, I sit on his knee. Presto, change and now he is me. Focus, focus, we take her to bed. Magic is free. You are listening to Everything Old is New Again with Doug Viviani and David Cohen. Is that right, Bob? I know. Uh, 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 Dave and, Dave and uh, uh, Doug. Dave and Doug. Dave and Doug. Yeah, they'll do. Okay. How can you be real when you made a word? You made me real. You poured words into my head. You moved my mouth. You jerk. Don't you get it? You made me what I am today. I hope you are 
satisfied. If you're given the nightclubbing on occasion, check this act. And they generally are booked into some of the clubs along the gray night way, known as the Twilight Zone. Welcome back. We are continuing our discussion of ventriloquism with Jay Johnson uh, and I, uh, from Soap and from uh, the Broadway show The Two and Only. Uh, before we went uh, to uh, the commercials and just as we came back were two clips, one from the movie 1978 uh, with Anthony Hopkins, Magic, a movie that uh, growing up I loved this uh, this art and I loved this entertainment. I thought we were going to have a, a, a nice uh, movie that was going to explore ventriloquism and it turned out to be about uh, a ventriloquist that was a murderer and Cliff yeah. Robertson <laughs> had some trouble with uh, with the Twilight Zone uh, with his dummy and in, and in the end of that episode he switches places with his dummy so um, I don't know if you're familiar with those. I know you're familiar with magic for sure. Um, Jay, you I just bet. wanted to ask you, do you feel that this negative, I don't know if it's so negative, but this connotation of ventriloquism um, hurts uh, the, the art, or, or do you feel that, uh, like P.T. Barnum believed, that uh, any publicity is good publicity? Well, you know, there, there is a, um, I, I don't know what the actual term is when you fear clowns. I think there's some of the phobia, but there is a, a phobia about uh, puppets. There's a phobia about uh, ventriloquists. And certainly the fact that uh, there have been some movies that portray us as uh, schizophrenic killers, it doesn't help that phobia, you know, in people. But uh, an, an interesting thing about the, the movie Magic, um, the, the book by William Goldman, I thought was one of the best books on ventriloquism uh, and that kind of dark side that was ever written because Goldman found a really good motivation for a ventriloquist to be driven to kill. Um, and I'm so fascinated by that book. I had a hotshot manager at the time and I went in and took the book and I said, someday they'll make a movie out of this. And I'm the only guy in the world who can play this part. <laughs> and it was very brash. And he checked on it. We got kind of close to the movie. We kind of uh, interviewed with a couple of directors and uh, that went the wayside. But uh, about a year later, I asked Susan Harris how she came up with Chuck and Bob for their show Soap, and she said, well, I was reading this book called Magic. Oh, wow. And so I knew I was I was right for that part, and, and as luck would have it, I got to play that part uh, for four years uh, on a great show rather than just a one-time shot on a movie. So, so wow. I, I lucked out. One door uh, closes, another one opens, so to speak, right? That's it. And, uh, you know, it's funny because even after I, I went to see the movie, uh, Soap was out at that time. And uh, at one point, uh, Anthony Hopkins as Corky and uh, Fats are dressed alike, which was something Chuck and Bob did. And in the theater where I was looking, uh, watching the movie, somebody in the back said, oh, my God, it looks like Chuck and Bob. <laughs> and uh, it was kind of uh, full circle weirdness. For right. me. <laughs> it's like a verbal pat on the back there. That was That's great. Something, yeah. Yeah, something happened. Uh, it was great. Going to turn our attention just for a moment back to W.C. Fields for just a moment for a quick clip. You know, Charles, many's the time... I wish you could be here to fill that terrible vacancy. In your heart, Mr. Fields? Oh, in my fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they were great. More, more of of W. C. Fields, who I, I call a comic genius. I think we could we could probably agree to that. I um, totally agree with that. And, and uh, the, yes. the perfect relationship: uh, Charlie McCarthy, a little uh, child, uh, with a lot of sense, and W. C. Who supposedly hated children. It was one of the great. Uh, <laughs> 
uh, what, what would you call that? One of the great relationships of radio, I think. Mm-hmm. Was and also, I think it shows, and what I'm going to try to get to here a little bit, bring in modern, it, 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 back in that day, and, and talking about um, you know Lewis and Martin and their little skits and so forth, um, that there was a respect and an admiration from one of the geniuses of comedy back in the day uh, for yeah. this art form. And he he never um, you know stopped working with them. Whenever called upon, he would do it. He even did press photos and so forth. Um, so you know he was um, part of the part of the team, if you will, and he loved it. Now that leads me to today, and I've heard some some ventriloquists talk about how when they're in comedy clubs that they're they're ostracized on some way or not given some respect, or even like Jeff Dunham has, has talked about he tried out for uh, the NFL today and he was ignored by Terry Bradshaw on the set and could, during an audition and couldn't even you know perform. And, and to me, that's offensive. I, I don't know. I don't want to put you on the on the fence too much. I mean, on the you know too much to, on the spotlight there, but. Do you feel that in today's world that we are uh, experiencing the proper uh, respect for your art form from even fellow performers? <laughs> well, you know, everybody wants to, to think that what they do is uh, respected and loved by everyone in the world. Um, in, in the comedy clubs, it, it, I went through the comedy clubs when, when they were rock and roll of the day, and it was right after Soap, so I had a great run there for a while. Um, I did find that there was a little bit of um, uh, a conflict or, or a little bit of um, lack of respect, maybe, uh, from some of the other comics. And I think because they felt like it was uh, more of a prop act than it was a real comedy act. Um, and it's funny because in Bondville, uh you wouldn't just walk out on stage and just do a bunch of jokes. You either had to sing, you had to dance, you had to play the ukulele, you had to pretend to be a character, because they would say, what do you do? And if you just said, I tell jokes, that's not an act. If you said, I play the violin and occasionally tell a joke, you were Hannah Youngman. Mm. But uh, by the time we got to the comedy clubs, the, the pure tradition of comedy was to go out there alone and just tell your jokes. And um, I'm not sure that's a more pure form of entertainment uh, uh, than a, a guy walking out creating two characters. Uh, but, you know, it's all the way you see it, I guess. I, I can understand that uh, point of view on, on some level uh, from their point of view for a split second, but then they to, to, to remain in that field and, and not acknowledge and recognize what extra in what I, I think about you need to do to write for yourself and for another character and perform it and perform it where everyone's uh, looking at your technical ability. Uh, I, I think that, that that should be respected. And I also think that possibly now, especially with your Jay Johnson, the two and only, um, uh, winning a Tony Award and uh, Jeff Dunham selling out some large arenas here and there, having yep. America's uh, Got Talent 2007 winner uh, Terry Feta headlining in, in the Mirage in Vegas. Um, I, I don't know. I think that with all of you doing all of that, in, in my perspective, I think ventriloquism is alive and, and well, but I want to ask you what you feel of the, the state of the art today. Oh, I, I think it definitely is alive and well and doing really, really wonderfully. I, I think in, something happened um, early on, and I think people, maybe there was just too much ventriloquism back in the day, and there was a generation uh, around the time of Edgar Bergen that kind of burned out. But but now, with the people rediscovering ventriloquism through Terry Fader, and uh, uh, people came to my show that had never seen a ventriloquist before, uh, of course, Jeff is doing this stuff. I think now... 
uh, there's a, a new introduction to the art form to a different generation that uh, I think it's per- perfectly alive and well. And um, I'm glad that some uh, good people like uh, Jeff and Terry and uh, are, are Karen. And I, I have a story about um, W.C. Fields. And I, I, I think it's fascinating story, kind of what we're talking about, the reality of the characters. Uh, when Birkin did um, You Can't Cheat an Honest Man, I think it was with W.C. Fields, and they were in a circus. Um, there was a scene that was cut from the movie where Charlie appeared in blackface and did a little minstrel thing, very much of the time, but very politically incorrect. Now, so the day came to put the black on Charlie's face, and the makeup union said that they would cover that, and the prop union said that they would cover that, and they got into a dispute, and they couldn't decide whether Charlie McCarthy was proper actor. So they sent the studio and told Bergen to go home, put the black on his face, and come back and shoot tomorrow. <laughs> So in the annals of the Universal City, Universal Pictures, uh, the studio was closed for one day trying to determine whether Charlie McCarthy was real or prop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and le- leaving us with a laugh there, and I, I would suggest that your show, The Two and Only, Jay Johnson, The Two and Only, leaves you with a laugh, and to me a gift for the holidays um, is a gift of laughter is, is, not, is nothing better. So I would suggest that uh, if anyone's interested in this, in this and I, I don't see how you're not, December 16th, the DVD yeah. is being released. Uh, it's a you gift you of... Can pre-order, you can pre-order now, and I hope everyone will. I'm, I, I, we never had any problems with people uh, uh, coming away from the show wondering what it was about. I think we had a hard time getting people into the theater because it's not a show that you're really going to expect. I think it's going to uh, break some rules and, and make you think differently. So we're anxious to have it out there. Speaking of breaking the rules, um, what would be the first uh, uh, lesson that you would give to someone that wants to learn ventriloquism? Or where would you turn? Well, I, for me, you, you have to uh, completely invest in that character. I mean, there's a lot of ventriloquists that will uh, uh, turn to a puppet and they kind of lose all of their identity while the puppet is talking. And uh, that's, uh, that's probably the first mistake any ventriloquist makes is losing themselves in that relationship because it is a team. It's two people, not one at a time. So that's the big one. Great. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with uh, Jimmy Nelson and uh, Danny O'Day. I uh, found you him bet. online, and there's a, a great little um, way to learn uh, ventriloquism through his uh, DVD. But we're out of time. So thank you very much, Jay, and we're looking forward to uh, com. Uh, Thanks, guys. I I really appreciate your time and and all your interest. Thanks. Excellent. Thank Thank you you. so much.